Hello and welcome to the summer edition of the IT Teachers podcast. That's the IT Teachers where we put the A in tech. Um, today's today's episode is 1.2. It is our second episode and it's called Back to School, which really it's just... Are we going to be back in school? Are we going to be distance learning again? Are we going to be blended learning where there's a, you know, a hybrid classroom of tech and old school? Yeah, I mean, what will what we is it going to look like? Walk into next year. Right. There's a lot of uncertainty and I think I know that educators everywhere and parents everywhere and students everywhere. And administrators and min- everywhere. Administrators and lawmakers. It's it's a big deal and it's definitely on everyone's lips right now. Yeah, I mean, when I think about like education, quote, you know, educational stakeholders, you think of the people that you mentioned, but even, you know, everyone. I mean, it, you know, it trickles into society. Right now, I feel like a conversation about what... A 100% tech, kids from home situation would look like. Um, and that's that's kind of where I want to go with this podcast, where we're back to school, but no one's in school. Um, I, I do know a lot of districts that are moving. You know, I know, Haley, um, you, you're on the committee. You guys are kind of moving forward with, you know, what this might look like. And it's hard to even really speculate at this time, but... We can do it. I mean, it's not like this is going to be the new, people say the new normal. I don't. I don't think that. I think that it is going to be blended learning when we return in a normal way. But given this pandemic, it's not normal, and we 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 can feel scared. Like we have the right to feel what we feel, and kids are feeling different things too in this time. And you know, there's just an underlying anxiety that has been amped up in our you know, in our nation, in our world, you know, among people, there are, there are all walks of life that are trying to follow rules, you know, regulations, stuff like that. So moving forward, you know, how can we kind of focus this conversation in an, in a direction for teachers where we can help you? I have a few questions. I just wanted to add, you know, I really feel like that first day when they told us, you know, pack up your stuff and we're not coming back. And and from that minute when they said school's closed until right now, every day, I've been with my colleagues thinking, are we going to go back? When are we going to go back? Are we going to go back? When are we going to go back? How? And now it's how are we going to go back? Mm-hmm. So, but I will say that even in my little district, people are working so hard using all the resources that we have to try to figure out a plan that's going to work. And it, it is not easy. And I am right now very happy not to have to be in a position to make the big choices um and i will do whatever my administrators and my you know super says to do and i'm just very thankful that i don't have to be the person that makes the the choice yeah 
Because it is not going to be easy. No, I don't think it's easy. And I don't think anyone's making it easy, you know, and I had said that. But, but the, so just kind of staying focused on the questions that I have. So I have one question is, how do we conduct school? Will it ever look the same? And I think that, no, I mean, I think it's, I think we can kind of answer that right off the bat. Will school ever look the same? I think like I think it's going to be a mix. I think people are going to have a whole new appreciation for technology and what technology can do when you have some great resources and some great structures in place. So now how does that look? Well, I I only obviously know speaking for my district and um where I've been my entire career, thankfully. Uh, And we have slowly been integrating technology. And at this point, we are one-to-one with Chromebooks. And students have been one-to-one with Chromebooks for, I, I believe it's the last six or seven years since, you know, the elementary up and... They're coming to us with their Gmail accounts already set up with, you know, pretty good knowledge of the whole Google suite for education. And so we were so lucky that when COVID came, we were in the third quarter of of the year and we had students who already had their Chromebooks home with them. Mm-hmm. And they were able to just really easily make that transition um, from blended learning, which is pretty much what we had been using. Most teachers in my school and the district use technology in some way at least every other day. Um, yeah. The assignments are posted on Classroom. Students use the, the email to interact with the teachers and, you know, and you, with each other. Are- and you had uh, <clears throat> some great structures in place, like when you would always share with me, you know, in my district where, oh, we have this. Oh, you got to have this. Oh, do you have Go Guardian? Do you have this? You know, all these different things. And Right. So the students were are pretty familiar in my district with the tech. And it was not really a big stretch. It was really, the hardest part was communicating with the students and trying to really make sure that you're having those authentic experiences with the kids that were so hard to create when you're distance learning. It was so hard to really know if the students were there, really know if the students were getting it. I mean, they were handing in their work, but you don't see that light bulb over their head when you're at home, you know? So. And you just, you had always meant, you know, a showing up so like coming you know coming onto the zoom you would you would have you know one kid come on and say um i didn't get this or something like that you know so you're 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 waiting for the kids to come on and then who comes on who's got a a screen in front of them or are they paying attention or you know it's such a different it's almost like such a shift you're going from one to the other, you know, how do you kind of still keep that, um, the, the teacher, the, the presence, you know, on the computer behind the screen. And I think, again, we were very lucky. We were so fortunate that COVID decided to come at 
in the third quarter, we already had our rapport with our students. We already had, you know, the expectations were set. And the students knew what to expect from us, what we expected of them. There was no question about how they were supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. They understood that they had a responsibility to get their work done and what, to what extent, um, you know, to how hard they should be working for me. And we already trusted each other in an educational atmosphere, but I'm very concerned with next year. Uh, I have ninth graders, um, and yeah. moving from the middle school to the high school is a huge. Shift. It's it's huge. It's yeah. such a big change for the kids, socially and emotionally and academically. I mean, we're asking them to do whoa, yeah. you know, real work when they're in high school. And what are you saying? <laughs> I, you know, I'm saying they're a little bit taken aback when they first come into in the high school and the grades really count. And yeah, you really have to come to every class because you will lose credit and you will have to repeat. You know, <laughs> they just they can't they don't get it sometimes in enough time. But yeah. it's a but, big change. It's a big change. And I don't I don't know how we're going to really be able to have those authentic relationships from through the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the biggest thing that I'm, I'm really nervous about making it, making the transition, especially for my ninth graders work. Um, I was also supposed to be teaching a makerspace class next year. And well. I'm not quite sure how that's going to go because it's, it, that's too, very hands-on. Like it's very hands-on. Ah, we were so excited about it. We ordered all the stuff and, yeah, you were. Uh, we're gonna be making making a lot of cool things for the school store, and but I'm not. I I don't know. We nothing's set in stone, of course. But it would be a shame if we didn't get to do that. I don't know how it could work though. If we went, it is possible, and we're going to talk a little bit about how um, how your classroom online may need to look. How you know what kinds of structures you might need to kind of you know. Um, get you know in in place before before school during you know during the beginning, um, protocol um you know getting that student buy in um perhaps just some really temporary stuff that that might need to happen, uh just for the time being you know we got we have to get through this pandemic and we have to get through it safely and um and we also have to take orders from you know from the higher ups but we we don't know what's gonna happen. Alicia, did you hear that E-Race changed its name to Shoreline Adult Education? Get out of here. Yeah, and they have a great new website. What is it? ShorelineAdultEd.org. Are we teaching a class this fall? We sure are. What are we teaching? We're teaching a tech class to teachers. Who can sign up? Anybody. I think it might even be great for parents to sign up now because they might have to be doing remote learning with their kids. It's all over. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, we're going to make it super easy for them, teach them all the tech tools we know in the first part, and in the second part, we're going to let them apply their knowledge and help them build a lesson. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I hope everyone signs up. ShorelineAdultEd.org. See you there. See you there. So, um, in our first 
part of, of episode two, we talked about, uh, you know, just a lot of areas of concern for educators, um, pretty much coming from the perspective of, you know, of what we're feeling as educators and we, we can really can't control what's going to happen. And, you know, we kind of speculated, you know, there could be some blended learning happening. There could be some different kinds of, uh, scenarios of how the fall will look in September. But what we want to do is not add to any, you know, current anxieties, but we, we would like to offer some solutions. We'd like to offer some, maybe even just words of wisdom or, or, um, coaching, if you will, at this point in time, you know, we're still in July. We're about halfway through July. Um, what, how can we prepare to be 100% online in the fall? Okay. As it, as it people, we can, you know, we can do this. It's just a little bit different because of the fact that we're not prepared. Our students aren't prepared to do this. We haven't had the training with our, with educators, with our colleagues in that sense. Would you agree with that? So we're just kind of forced into this. Yeah. There's a lot of different pieces to this puzzle and the, the, the biggest problem that I'm seeing, you know, area of concern is that not everyone's on the same page. We're all coming from different places. And last, at the end of last year, we did it. I mean, we all really pulled together and worked hard and figured out how to make it work. But if we're going into next year 100% online or in a situation where, you know, we might be two weeks online and then back in the classroom and then maybe back at home and you know, this toggling back and forth during uncertain periods, you know, if, if there's spikes in certain areas, whatever happens, I think it's going to be a lot different than it was at the end of last year. The, the idea is going to be that, well, they just, they did it for three months before, so they should be able to do it for three months again and, or longer. And so <clears throat> for that reason, we really need to prepare, 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 and in the next couple months, we need to reflect on the things that went well and the things that didn't go so well. And we really need to turn to each other and collaborate, build your personalized learning networks and your professional learning networks. Ask your coworkers what went well. Ask them, you know, can you help them with anything? Maybe you could trade expertise. You know, maybe you're really good at sheets and... Somebody in your math department needs help with docs. They want to start some online discussions and they need to learn how to use parlay ideas. So trade off expertise. Collaboration, and, at, its, collaboration at its best. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is where we need to come together. We need to collaborate. It's a great time for that. Um, and I, I don't know about you in your district, Alicia, but I, in my department... We all gave end-of-year surveys just to touch base with our students and ask them what they liked, what they didn't like, uh, how they felt going, you know, going into the summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm going to use a lot of that information and, and reflect on that. I mean, they get, the kids are pretty honest at the end of the year. And they really let you have it, you know, so they don't hold anything back at the end. And even the kids that didn't show up in the yeah. last three months, they put their they two something to say. In the survey. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
which is great. I wanted to hear, I really wanted to th- them to be candid. So uh, I think I got a lot of good feedback and now I have a place to start. Um, so and really... You, sorry, but you, even just using those forms as feedback tools, even if it's a quick, you know, check-in. Um, you know, we had, we talked about the social emotional well-being of the students. And right. so, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we had um, talked about was just being kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to, you know, it, it's such a cliche. If a, if a colleague reaches out for help or seems frantic or an administrator makes a, you know, some kind of decision, whatever the case may be, be kind to that, knowing that they're coming from a place of stress, a place of anxiety, a place of maybe parenting children who are having these issues and just taking it with a grain of salt sometimes, you know, but also working together. And, you know, as Haley had mentioned earlier, just, you know, trade-offs like, or, you know, in your, in your, um, department meetings, in your faculty meetings, you know, hopefully those administrators are giving opportunities for that collaboration. Just, Hey, anybody have something that works right now? Like we're desperate times seek desperate measures and we need to really just focus on the best, what's best for kids right now. And also be kind to the kids knowing what they're going through at this, you know, during this time. So I think the the most important thing we can do, like Alicia just said, is really reach out to the students to see how they're doing a check-in before the school year starts we normally would do an icebreaker in our classroom to get to know the students and i think one of the biggest problems is we're going to face is building that rapport with our students so if we can ask them how they're feeling what their schedules are like at home do they have any responsibilities what do they struggle with what are their interests and if we can give them an a forum a forum and a f- through maybe a Google <laughs> form, yep. um, they can share that stuff with us and we can give them some honest feedback and make some connections that way. And starting the year off like that might be a good idea. So that's one suggestion. Use Google Forms as a way to get to know your students and as a place for them, it's a place for them to connect with you. Perhaps you want to put together a little getting to know you page on a website or your students can see you who you are as a person I think that might help to build some rapport as well again I I'm going to be having ninth graders next year but some of my juniors all know or they'll know me for being in the building for the last three years but the ninth graders man they're in for it so I think it might be nice to let them know who who I am Mm -hmm. and so they can maybe build a Build yeah. a rapport with uh, with us, and I think it's okay to ease into the year like that. Yeah, I also think it's very important that we set some some structures up, just like we would do with classroom expectations. We have to do this with technology expectations. The students yeah. have to know what they are allowed to do, what they're expected to do, and what to stay away from. Uh, there needs to be very clear cut expectations for them and you need to set them yeah and it might be that it's okay for the students to do one thing in one class and something else in another class I think you might want to have a conversation with your instructional leaders or your department heads or your administration and really ask for some guidance in keeping a cohesive 
expectation plan that maybe is just really broad expectations for all classes and then you can go into your own expectations making sure that your students are still respectful making sure that when when we have just i you know as we would create norms for collaboration or norms for you know um workshop uh reading writing small groups these types of things need to be uh, uh you know implemented as well um whether kids are working um within a group on you know through distance learning um they still need to be respectful of each other. You know, when you are collaborating with a peer, that should look, how should that look? You know, asking these questions um, and also, you know, talking to students about um, some of the information on uh, common sense. It's that work, yeah. Absolutely, so digital citizenship and netiquette are hugely important in this model of, of teaching and learning. These students now need to know that there are expectations when they use technology. They are expected to be good digital citizens and they're expected to have a, a, some form of netiquette going on, whatever it is that, however it looks in your building. Um, and commonsense.org, like, like Alicia said, is a great place to start. Has a lot of great ideas, a lot of great lessons. Something that I did with my students when we started remote learning last year is I gave them the definitions of a digital citizen, the definition of netiquette, and then they had to go through a few tasks to just to make sure that they understood what the expectations were. And then they signed their name, yeah. you know, digitally. Yeah. So they had to type their name in and that's, that counted as their signature. So okay. it gave them some accountability. I'm holding them accountable to be yeah. good, good citizens. And I think... Maybe they never really thought of it before because they yeah. just always had a phone in their hand or a computer in their hand. And I don't know that they ever really thought about it as, you know, it's important for you to to monitor your online presence and what you say online is is it's it's important we 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 have a couple of other you know quick suggestions that we want to mention zoom allows students to collaborate in small groups. Yes. Um, I know that districts kind of, like you had used the word um, toggle before, back and forth between Zoom and Meet. You can. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, again, everybody was just kind of thrown into this. So people did what they felt more comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. Google Meet's great. Uh, It is the, it's pretty much the same as Google Hangouts. Mm -hmm. Um, You can have, I you can have a ton of kids in a Google Meet meeting. The problem is, or the difference is between Google Meet and Zoom is that Zoom makes it so much easier to do what you're talking about, the breakout rooms. rooms. So you can break your students into rooms and then go and monitor each room individually. So you can break, you know, you could have the kids working collaboratively in small groups and you can still check in with them, which is really cool. Google Meet, you could do the same thing, but you have to do a lot of beforehand preparation. And what I encountered through remote learning was not every student would show up every time. I mean, even with my advanced class, which I could pretty much guarantee 100% attendance, Mm -hmm. they didn't always come. Right. Things things were happening. So to plan, plan, plan and prepare your groups ahead of time and then the students don't show up. Mm -hmm. It was a lot easier to do it with Zoom where you could do it on the fly. Now, 
I also you you had used Zoom when we had um the Holocaust survivors speak to your class. Correct. Now that was neat. Um, we just had an issue with you being able to um speak. <laughs> yes. So the internet connection not always great. I was on my Chromebook, which is pretty awesome, but I had. 40 people maybe on there yeah. at the same time and it just and my internet it didn't it didn't work out uh so well with my ability to actually be heard when I was speaking the audio but the chat feature worked fine so so in, in a case like that so one I wanted to bring up two things well first of all this is a great opportunity and we had talked about to bring in guest speakers this is a really easy way to um encourage people from the community, people that have experience with certain um, concepts or um, or themes that you're talking about or whatever the case may be, um, authors. Well, any profession, I mean, it depends on what your subject area is. Right. You know, if you're a physical educator and you're looking to, what am I going to do tomorrow to make my students engaged in being physically educated or educated about their physique? <laughs> I mean, Bring it. the gyms aren't open right now, or maybe they are or whatever, but why not have a trainer pop on and yeah. talk to the kids? I think that would be awesome. Or a guest yoga instructor. I yep. mean, there's so many awesome things that you can do. People are home now. Yeah. Uh, and they, I, I feel like things are changing so much. People aren't sitting behind their desks in an office building anymore. They get a chance to, to have a little leeway with their time so maybe they could take 20 minutes to talk to your class i think that this is would be a great opportunity to extend the learning and to have kids be global communicators all this talk about tech is making me hungry well you want to grab something eat oh i thought you'd never ask can we go to the lobster shack everybody's talking about it the one in east haven yeah on cozy beach Well, let's mosey on down to Cozy and get the best lobster roll. I can bring my dog, right? Yeah, they have outdoor seating. All right, let's go. Hashtag hold the mayo. The ISTE standards are available. Um, Again, I'm speaking off the cuff here, so I think it is uh, org.org. IST. So Haley will give us that um, that address. But the ISTE standards for students, there there are standards for all different... um, all different folks, there's students, teachers, leaders, um, but they are phenomenal and you might wanna take a look at them. Um, they are, it's iste.org, okay? Um, check them out. Um, really, really 21st century skills that our students need to have. And this is really what we do as, um, as technology integration specialists, just really get to know the standards, embed them in everything you do, you know, infuse them in your lesson, empowered learner, digital citizenship, knowledge constructor, innovative designer, computational thinker, creative communicator, global collaborator. Um, The iste.org website also gives you great um, resources that you can, you can take a look at. But, um, but thinking about taking your kids from, you know, those kind of just to now, now they need to own their learning. They need to be empowered. They need to be engaged. They need to, they need to take, they don't need to take the learning to the next level, but they might want to, you know, they might actually find something that they're really interested in. Staying focused with 
ways to help um, you know prepare teachers for the fall if you know if in in fact we are at home if we are online establishing really really clear expectations so expectations absolutely how are students supposed to behave absolutely talk up digital citizenship talk up netiquette and then get into your classroom expectations as far as the academic stuff goes and you want to be as organized as possible you need to let the kids know the students know what is expected of them again last year the end of the year the kids already knew this year whole new ball game so you need to be sure that you have a clear-cut structure that you have a format a forum for communication how are the students going to get in touch with you are you using google classroom are you using gmail how how are you going to have these students <clears throat> what platform are they going to use what are the expectations you also need to make sure that you're setting ground rules for when you're available mm -hmm. so at the you know last year it was really difficult to turn it off Mm -hmm. My students were, some of them working during the day, so they wouldn't get online until 9 o'clock at night, and that's when they needed my help, but I had already been working all day helping all the other students who, you know, <laughs> were on, on the Zoom meetings, and then the students who showed up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon after school uh, and, <clears throat> and emailed and wanted a Zoom, and then... Again, then the students at 10.30 at night or 11 o'clock or, you know, the assignments were due at 11.59, so they were handing it in right at 11.40, emailing Miss Luke. <clears throat> yeah. I can't get on. What should I do? And then the grades would have to be in. Oh, so it's never. I ended. found myself staying up basically 24 hours yeah. a day because I wanted to make sure that all my students were able to get in touch with me, and we need to fix that for next year. So... Boundaries. Google Calendar is a great tool to use. You can set up appointment slots so students know that they can get in touch with you at a very specific time. They can sign up. They can get, leave you a little blurb. Say, you know, They can say, I want to work on my body paragraph two at 7 o'clock a.m. Thursday morning. And you can, they can sign up for the appointment. They don't have to email you. It will do it for you. So use something that is easy for students to access, easy for you to access. There's a lot of like sign up programs, sign up genius, right, right. and there's a lot of awesome stuff, but. Or establish just those, those old school office hours when you used to go and see your professor from two to three, you know? So say, I'm going to be available if you're, you have an essay due um, the day before, hey, this here's, I can, you know, post a link on my, on my site then go to the Zoom and who has questions or a kind of brainstorm, you know, oh, okay. Two kids emailed me and they can't brainstorm, uh, you know, for their thesis statement. Okay. So hop on, you know? Um, so I think of, I think of the fall and I think of the parents that are home with kids. Now you have parents who have one child who can easily juggle this because there's two of them, you know, maybe they kind of, bounce back and forth, um, depending on what, what their work schedule looks like. But then you have parents who have three and four children who are all at different levels, um, different grades. And so how do these, you know, how do these families all function? Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> Neither do I. Oh man. Um, you know, I, I, we don't have the answers. You know, we're not we're not here to have the answers. We're just kind of just thinking about this stuff, and we we know that this is a tough time for everyone, and that's the thing is that you know, I I'm home with um with a two year old and a four year old, and you know, and I, and I'm I'm trying to get myself dressed in the morning, you know. But, um, but I think it's, again, just going back to the idea of being kind to yourself, okay? So if for some reason you are a parent tuning in, you know, right now and listening to this, be kind. If you get your kids on, at, you know, at whatever time or every morning, you know, 9 a.m., all right, guys, let's hop on. We're going to do an hour. Whatever the case may be or whatever works for your family is is perfect for your family. Like that's the thing is that there is no, there is no perfection at this point. It's survival. It's getting through the teachers, hopefully with some of the tools that are available on our website can use some of, you know, use some of the, the, the tech stuff to help engage the kids, but it's just going to be very tricky because um, I, th- I think maybe we mentioned before just really staying with right now what we know works and what has proven to work. So not using any kinds of tricky, um, you know, apps and extensions and, and, and websites where students are going to be thrown off by something. You know, you, you really want to stick with um, what kids know if 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 they can manipulate, you know, really use the Google apps, Google Docs, Google Slides, you know, um, and whatnot, and just kind of stick to um, stick to what they're comfortable with at this point, just because it is, you know, a kind of a forced um, 100% tech from home, distant learning. Absolutely. I think the rule of thumb should always be <clears throat> stick with what they know. Stick with what you're comfortable with with doing. Not everybody's comfortable with using technology, and that's okay. The, the idea is that you do the things that you're able to do. You collaborate. You research. If there's something you want to try, try it. Estab- try it. Yeah. Establish that rapport where it's okay to mess up, you know, and I always had that I always have that rapport with my students where we're exploring this together. And the more that you can kind of facilitate that, you know, okay, well, ask a peer, you know, almost ask a peer, ask a friend, um, ask a parent, you know, if they're, if they're available and they're not working at the moment, you know, or ask your teacher. But maybe peers can be a little bit more helpful too with, um, they love to help each other and they love to, you know, figure things out, you know, and figure out, how, how can we do this? How can we make this happen? You know? Yeah. You know, and I want to build on that, actually. The idea of using your peers, the, using the peers to help engage students. On the days last year that I had students, uh, you know, they knew that they had to show up to do a group work project or they knew that they were going to be answering a question on Google Classroom that everyone was going to be able to see or they had to create, you know, a new frame in the Jamboard for their gallery walk and they knew that other students were going to be looking at their frames as they were going to find their own frame to create. Those were the times when students really excelled and I think it was because they were seeing what what they were doing and it was kind of like they were getting that buzz yeah. which they get in the classroom mm-hmm. and it kind of 
push the next kid to do the night. You know, it's like the the cells bumping into each other, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. The bees were buzzing. The yeah. hornets were buzzing. <laughs> so the students really, really excel when they are asked to do things collaboratively. I mean, we're already isolated. We're already quarantined. Mm-hmm. To continue it even online is... Yeah, it's... It's inhumane. So yeah. have take a chance. Have students collaborate um, it doesn't have to be a big project. It could be a very simple question on Google Classroom that everyone feels comfortable answering. Yeah. And just be prepared to ask those kinds of questions that, again, that everyone would feel okay answering. You don't want to put any student in a position where they have to say something in front of the rest of the class that, you know, if you wouldn't do it in the classroom, you shouldn't be doing it online. Right, right. Um... So along with collaborating, what else did we miss? I think, yeah, inviting people in the community. Videos. I want to just, I, 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 you know, videos are powerful tools, obviously, but there are so many different purposes for the videos. And I think it's really, really going to be helpful to use um, Screencastify. Yes. I think, you know, really showing. Yeah. I think you showed that to me years ago, you know, <laughs> so, so how to videos using Screencastify, you know, uh, I don't know how many years ago when I taught sixth grade, I actually recorded myself. There was a lot of anxiety coming in from all the different middle, uh, all the different elementary schools. And I created a video and I remember, um, sharing that at a, um, faculty okay. meeting Okay. and getting such a great response from the parents um, because they were able to show their their very nervous sixth graders who their teacher was, um, listen to just about me and about my classroom and whatnot. And it was just it was just really comforting. And I think at this moment, like we just have to comfort our kids, and I think we have to just tell them that it's going to be okay and that this is a healthy place for them to be on on the computer because. They need something. They need something right now. So make using programs like Screencastify to create how-to videos, instructional videos about even how to use the apps is super awesome. And it will help you, especially if it's an app that you want to try out. If you have to make a Screencastify about that app, you're going to need to know how to use it. So it's going to help you get to know that tool a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be something that students can look back, look back on if they miss the online Zoom meeting or whatever the case may be, they can watch it over and over again to make sure that they get how to use the app. And the best thing about these resources that you're building for yourself, if you're creating a lot of uh, how-to videos, they're never going to go away. Right. You can right. use these every year. Yeah. You can put them on your YouTube channel. Make a YouTube channel. Yeah. Make a playlist. Yeah. Well, Make you a ha- playlist for each of your classes yeah. where year after year, all you have to do is tell your students, this is my YouTube channel. And they yeah. can year after year use those resources to help themselves learn. So it's really going to, to help your, your classroom, whether or not you're online, blended learning, back in school. This will help your student engagement a hundredfold because they'll be taking you know you they don't have to ask you they can figure it out for themselves right I was just gonna say 
you know, I was going to say, oh, you could look up a video on YouTube probably about just about anything. And, and that's fine. But I think there's a power in your voice because you're not being with your own students face to face in the classroom. They can't see your body. They can't see, you know, your facial expressions and things like that. So, so even just your speech um, alone and the different intonations of your speech and things like that are going to help build that rapport. So I think that's important. Haley, you had mentioned YouTube playlists. So two things. One, um, if your school is um, a part of the Google suite, then you have a YouTube uh, station or a, you know, a channel. Secondly, the playlists are great. Um, as Haley had mentioned, um, you'll have these videos forever. And even if they're a little outdated or something, you know, changes, you could, you know, it's fine. But think about the extension of your lesson. And we, we were going to talk a little bit about the Triple E framework, but we're going to save that for another, um, another episode. Um, we're going to, we're actually going to probably close up in a, in a bit, but I just want to say, think about the extension of your lessons as well. If you're making a YouTube playlist, um, you might have your students watch the first video and then if students would like to see you know more then you have that available to them so i think with the distance learning it's really really um kicking off some interesting opportunities for you to really extend the learning and if kids are interested in maybe a per, per, um a particular science experiment or math uh, concept they can really dig dig a little deeper and you can offer them that ex extended learning uh you know and some opportunities there maybe even an article or something you know Absolutely. So yeah, YouTube's a great tool. Yeah. Uh, well, my last bit of information, my Go last words of wisdom, uh, is to look at, again, look at any of the data that you collected from the end of the year last year and really just start being reflective about, again, what worked, what didn't work. Ask your colleagues, hey, you know, what did your kids think about so-and-so or did they ever sign in when you did this? Or did you use those Zoom breakout rooms and how did it go? And was it easy to use? And I'm a little bit nervous about it. Ask, ask, ask. Send an email. Uh, put, the feel, put your feelers out. And I think the, the wisdom is, I'm going to do it. You maybe should too. <laughs> uh, ask your administrators for clear procedures on anything that wasn't so clear before. So we, nobody knew. Your administrators did the best they could. You were doing the best you could. But now you know what you needed help with. And now you know what your students struggled with. So now is the time to say, hey, uh, last year when Johnny didn't show up for class 10 times, I didn't know who to call. Was I supposed to call guidance or was I supposed to call home first or... I wasn't sure if guidance already had taken care of it and then I couldn't get in touch with the social worker. So is there a procedure in place for me to get in touch with someone to help Johnny? Uh, so ask whatever the case may be. Everyone's on an individual basis, but figure out a way to maybe have that conversation about getting a solid Protocol. organization for procedures and protocols in your building and... It's only going to happen if you ask for it because your administrators aren't going to know the problems in the classroom if you don't let them know. Right. And 
be part of the solution by asking the questions. Right. That's that's a that's a nice way to put it. And I think I think many districts probably have um, you know, a reopening committee and I think that that you know, I'm sure that there are some uh, some procedures uh, you know, being put into place here. You know, and remember these some of these procedures are temporary. Um, you know, what, what should a teacher do if they are, you know, someone types something or they're messaging someone or someone reports that, you know, so, you know, have the procedures in place. I think it's going to be very, very, uh, interesting. I think it's going to be difficult, um, especially with the discipline piece of it and, and what ifs, you know, but, um, but on a separate note, there's a lot of exciting stuff you know, oh, to yeah. do and, and try and extend and engage. And, um, and I think that, you know, I think that educators should take a deep breath and pat themselves on the back and say, you guys are pioneers. We are pioneers during this, you know, this very, very historical time period. And, you know, connect, connect globally, use this as an opportunity to really shake up learning like Casey Bell, you know, says, <laughs> And, and just be kind to yourself, be kind, listen to, um, you know, listen to us. We'll, we'll coach you through it. Email us, ask us a question. We'll answer your question. And we are the it teachers it. We put the a in tech. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Take it easy.